and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is Tom Kiefer. Now, Tom was the former lead singer of the band Cinderella, who had massive hits back in the 80s, Don't Know What You Got, Nobody's Fool, to name a couple. Now, Tom has his own band, called the Tom Kiefer Band. They recently released their latest album, Rise, to rave reviews. It is fantastic. We talk about just his process of coming up with songs, whether or not his songwriting process has changed throughout the years, whether or not he misses MTV, and where he was the first time he heard one of his songs on the radio. Hope you enjoy this conversation I had with Tom. So Tom, your um, latest release, Rise, is fantastic, by the way. And I've been a fan of your work going back to Cinderella, obviously, back when I was in middle school in the 80s. And I think Rise is probably your best piece of work ever. Oh, well, thanks. And I appreciate that. That's a big compliment. Thank you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, and it's the title track, you know, Good, good ballad, good mixture of you know hard rock songs and ballads. Now, how difficult is that to uh, kind of combine all the, the you know the so-called genres of hard rock in there? You can have a song follow another song, and for some reason it's real slow, because uh, it's just one before it. You know, it's not the right order of songs, I guess. Right. So uh, you just kind of mess with it till it feels right. Right. I think in answer to your question, I think that really is like, you know, the, that's the process that we call the sequencing, reorder of the tracks. Right. Has it, it takes some time. It takes some time to figure that out. Yeah. Has it gotten easier over the years or no? Pardon me? Has it gotten easier for you over the years or is it still uh, difficult? Um, it's kind of just the same process. Um, you, you just have to listen to a bunch of different running orders. Um, and see what it feels like. So I wouldn't say it's gotten easier. There's, there's always that moment where you hit upon one and you, you go, yeah, that feels right. You listen to it again. You know. Um, so I wouldn't say it's gotten easier. It's just the same. Really, it's just it's like a jigsaw puzzle trying to make them all <laughs> feel flow flow together. Right. Now, like, how how important is like track one on an album? I know now because. You know, few people with CDs and stuff like that, so everything's all streaming, so you can kind of shuffle the album. But is track one just as important as it was back when people were buying, you know, cassettes and albums? Well, I think so because I, I I still approach it as a as a whole album. Um, I guess it's just because that's what I grew up on, listening to the artists that I did in the '70s. You know, it was very it was album oriented, right? The whole, the whole format for the whole genre of rock. So, I guess I'm still in that mindset, you know, recording music that it's going to be an album and like a complete journey from song one to the end. So, yeah, how you open a song, you know, is, is a statement, and how you end a song, end an album. Uh, I'm sorry, how you open an album and how you end it, you know, are important. And then obviously you want to connect the dots in that sequencing where the you know the dynamics flow correctly. Right now, yeah, a couple songs, um, like two of my favorites, not just of the album, but I think of, of all your work are, uh, you know, "Death of Me" and "Touching the Divide." I think those are like just unbelievable, uh, like great hard rock songs. Yeah. 
When in the process of coming up with a song, do you decide how heavy you want the song to be? You know, because Death of Me and Touching the Divide are pretty heavy songs. Well, I think the lyric really dictates that, and that that lyric um, was something that really made me gravitate. And when when I read it, um, it made me gravitate towards the guitar, crank an amp up, and kind of detune the low E string. Just use, you know, the music needed to feel heavy and drive it and have some angst to it that lyric so we always break in the place the lyric first um and then that that's really kind of what in answer to your question is what dictates how heavy a song is you know you immediately see this picture in your head or this emotion in your head from the lyric and it makes you gravitate to it to a different instruments you know you believe in me i instantly wanted to go to the guitar rides Right. Yeah, this would be feel good. This emotion would be great on the piano. You know, it's got that kind of gospel uplifting kind of feel to it. So, um, yeah, that, the, the lyric and the emotion of what you're talking about, I think, really dictates that. And the death of me, the example I 
that you gave this one that just felt like it needed to be driving and heavy and angry and (laughs) right have have some angst to it yeah right now yeah how much of the songs you write are like based on like your personal experiences um, well, a, a lot of it is, to, and, and but you know, writing is not only personal experience, but it's things that you observe in the world and, and things that you observe other people going through. And sometimes it's a combination of all of it, you know? I mean, a lot a lot of, m- most of the time, it's hard to pinpoint any one thing that inspired a song. Uh, it's usually like a combination of things, you know, people say, well, what was this song about? You know, um, you know obviously, going back to, Nobody's Fool, that's like a heartbreak song. Right. It's like, well, I, I can't point to the one heartbreak cause yeah. that. You know, it's probably a few that I went through and, and a bunch that I watched other people go through. And, you know, so it's cumulative. So, and I would say songwriting today for me and for Savannah and some of the other people that we write with, um, it's no different. You know, it's, it's, it's rare that you can like, like the one thing that like inspired that emotion or that song. It's usually accumulative. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Oh no, it does. Yeah. Now, has your actual writing of the song, like the process, changed since the eighties? No, it's. Um, I've always written uh, from lyrics first, and I, I, I really like that because you can write anywhere. And the song can hit a song idea can hit you anywhere. You don't have to have an instrument. You can be driving down the road. You can be anywhere, you know. Um, and when you write from a place of lyric first, you're constantly analyzing your thoughts all day and thinking, "Was that thought a song?" Mm-hmm. Like, nah, nah, that's, that's not a song. But maybe right. this one is. You know, and ones that kind of stick with are usually the ones that you actually pick it up an instrument and um, and sit down and really kind of finish the book, if you will. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know that that idea that first hits you that lyric, and sometimes you hear a little melody, but it is usually like the title or the subject or the emotion that you want to write about. And the ones that stick with you, you usually sit down at some point and pick up whatever instrument that it's making you gravitate towards, and and you, and you finish it. Right. Was that was that like uh, the case with uh, Don't Know What You Got?
yeah, I remember that. That that idea actually hit me in the car driving to the studio. Um, we were actually recording the night songs, and that thought came to me in the car driving to the studio that night. And I remember sitting down immediately at the piano and kind of starting to work that one out. And uh, Andy Johns, the producer, came in and asked me, you know, what that was. I said, it's a new song idea. And we, we were pretty far along in the process of night songs. And we already had Nobody's Fool, so we already kind of had a ballad for that record. So that one went on the back burner. Um, but that's when it, it started that way. Did you know you had something with that song? I really liked it. I mean, uh, you know, I, I tend to let ideas kind of simmer in my head for a while. And, and like I said, the ones that really stick with me are the ones that I feel like are maybe something. But, you, you know, you don't really know until you really record them and hear them back. But, you know, you when you get to the point where you want to finish a song and, you want, and, then, and then ultimately you got to record it, you hope that you have something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's, you know, you, you really know once you record it and start hearing it back to the speakers. I mean, yeah, I mean, it turned out you know fantastic. Now, do you remember where you were like the first time you heard like either "Nobody's Fool" or or that song on the radio? Uh, very first radio was um, we were leaving for I guess we were at the Philadelphia airport and we we're flying out for our first tour. We we're flying to LA and. Um, it came on in the car, right kind of at the curb of the airport as we were unloading some bags. Uh, <laughs> the local radio station was playing sh- or, uh, "Shake Me." Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's funny. Did, did you have to like take you know double take first? <laughs> um, no, it's just cool. I mean, it's like if you've ever seen that movie, that thing you do. You know, oh yeah, the, first two, the, the Tom Hanks movie when you know, you know when they first did a song on the radio and they're running down the street screaming. I mean, it's a, it's a cool feeling. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, we were just kids, you know. We were young and kind of getting ready to leave on the first tour, and then just kind of heard it blasting through a, a big FM sound. You right, know, right. The cars. Yeah. Pretty fun. Yeah. Now, now, speaking of being kids, um, like, who were some of your influences growing up, even before you got in the business? Um. Well, I mean, the first thing that maybe want to pick up guitar was seeing Beatles on. On, I guess it was the Ed It's all you know, right. Like young. And then, you know, at the same time, you know, like I, you know, like I said, I was really young. I, I loved that show, The Monkees. Okay, yeah. At that time. So, so those two things, I think, really inspired me to first want to pick up guitar and sing. And, you know, I love those songs. And, but um, I started learning how to play guitar when I was like eight years old. And then a few years later, I started hard rock like Zeppelin and Stones and I, I kind of that's when I said to my mom I want an electric guitar and I think I knew then what I wanted to do right. basically so you know that's what I really kind of cut my teeth on I was at 70s uh, rock you know it was just a great decade for music uh, I was a teenager in high school and learned from my listening to some really great bands like Zep, the Stones, Skinner Fleetwood Mac, Candace, Rush, Rod Stewart, Janis Joplin, Humble Pie. I mean, I could go on and on. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and the beauty about that, it's it's all different, you know, genres and it's all different types of music. So it kind of, you know, rounds you, you know, into like a better musician hearing all t- different types of music. 
Well, interestingly, it's it was actually all that was considered one genre of music it was considered rock. Okay. And you know the radio stations that I grew up listening to played everything from like Linda Ronstadt hmm. to Black Sabbath. Right. And so like country rock like the Eagles and Linda Ronstadt and really heavy stuff like Zeppelin and Black Sabbath were all considered just rock music. They weren't you know, segregated out into different formats where, you know, we only listen to country rock on this channel and we only listen right, to yeah. rock on this channel. So it was all rock. And that's, you know, I think um, it made it more interesting, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wants to hear something that sounds the same all the time. So of course, yeah. All those bands that I just mentioned, you know, there were so many, so many different areas that they dabbled in musically, you know, the Stones, you know, they, they, you know, one track on a, on a, on an album might be like a reggae, you know, <laughs> right? One track and another one like a country blues feel, another one like a heavy driving, like yeah. you know, can't you hear me knocking? And Zeppelin was the same way. I mean, all all the bands I grew up on were kind of just all over the place like that, you know. Right. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, you know playing guitar in high school. Uh, your your mother had to bribe you with a new guitar, right, to finish high school. Yeah, I wasn't the most academic student. And <laughs> she was a very wise woman. And right. She had to motivate me and with a Gibson ball hanging on the wall at the local music store. And I, she knew I wanted it. So um, I was actually thinking about uh, leaving school to join a touring band on the East Coast because I, I was already playing in, you know, professionally in my last couple of years of high school. But there was an offer that came up that we, you know, I was I was able to balance that still um, with school, but this was kind of more of a touring thing where I would have to leave. And she she kind of said, "Hey, you want that guitar on the wall over there? You get your <laughs> diploma." Right. <laughs> so, so so you ended up with straight D's, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and uh, back to Rise. Um, this was like the first band, I, or I guess the first album that the whole Kiefer Kiefer band worked on. Now. Um, it's, it sounds really tight. Uh, how different was working on this one compared to your previous one, The Way Life Goes? Uh, well, very different process because there wasn't a band. When, when Savannah and I recorded The Way Life Goes, um, there was not a band. So we were working with session players here in town, and it was more of an overdub process. And, you know, not everyone in the room at the same time. And, you know, which, you know, nothing wrong with that. I mean, a lot of records are made that way. Right. Um, but this one was a real band um, effort. Uh, you know, we've been touring for six, seven years now. We've got a really, really great chemistry music and, and personally, so we work really well together um, and communicate well together. So it was really pretty effortless and easy, fun record. Mm -hmm. We set up, we locked out a studio and set up in the same room, all of us in the same room together and you know, it was really about, you know, as, as Savannah and I were finishing up songs, kind of call a session and everyone would, you know, we'd all show up and we'd kind of arrange them and kind of work out the parts and put the headphones on and look each other in the eye, hit record, mm. right. and really go for that, that, you know, that band performance kind of thing. Because we were fresh off the, the road of mm. touring for six years, so it was, it was easy, you know, to really capture that energy and, and we really went for performance and we didn't overdub too much you know we took a lot of 
lot from the tracking sessions. So a lot of these tracks are very live, you know, literally from the drums up through mm -hmm. my lead A lot of them are from uh, the tracking sessions, and we didn't really mess with them too much. Right. No, and I'm glad you didn't because it's it's fantastic. Um, now, with with this album, what is like since the record com record business changed, you know, since you guys first started, you know, way back when. Uh, what is like the expectation for Rise, and how much of it is like the expectation different for say like, you know, back when you know Night Songs and Long Long Cold Winter were out. Um, I I don't know. I mean, it's uh, you know the, the success is measured differently today because you know it, it's kind of how people listen to music or, or get their music is much more splintered so you've got you know you've got streaming you've got youtube you've got so a lot of people surprisingly um are buying physical still um, right we've some sold, sold tons of vinyl and right physical already on this record so yeah i mean it's, it's really it's I, I kind of judge by the shows really you know you play it live and see how it how people respond and how they respond throughout the country or even throughout the world. You know, I remember when we were touring on The Way Life Goes and doing Europe for three and a half weeks and, you know, all the songs on The Way Life Goes um, were going down, you know, as big as the Cinderella stuff, and that's how they were going down here in the States, too. And, you know, there's something about the number of people these days that seem familiar with the music compared to the number of sales there's a discrepancy there right yeah <laughs> it seems like a lot more people are familiar with the music and know the music yeah and and what the actual sales are so you know the old measuring gauge is not one that you can use anymore which used to be pretty much strictly sales but it's, it's just so different right you know <clears throat> so i'm just glad to hear them singing them out there because that means they know them and they like them and yeah, exactly. I mean, double-edged sword, you know, it's, it, it's, it's easier to access now. You don't have to leave your house, but, you know, you're not making any money off it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. But um, one question going way back. Do you kind of miss the old, like, MTV days? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, YouTube's kind of taken that over. And, you know, we've continued to make, you know, real music videos and, even from day one, stuff was solid ground with the with the solo project, right? And you know, we've made a really, you know, if you look at my YouTube channel under the Kiefer Band video playlist, there's there's a lot of videos that we've made in the sense of you know, I don't miss uh, being able to create that art because we're still creating it. Right, it just gets out to a different. It gets out in a different, different way, way now, right? If that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. Do Do you enjoy making those videos? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it's fun. Um, it, it, particularly when you can kind of really strike the right video that really goes with the um, the song and the lyric, and it, it kind of brings that song to life uh, or puts some extra meaning to it. Um, I think is really cool. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a fun art form. Right. And I know you had like you know voice issues in the past. Have have you had to like change your kind of routine? Yeah, I have to do lots of exercises for my voice, and uh, you know, I, I ultimately I had trouble for decades from a neurological condition, and I was told I would never sing again. And you know, after a pretty long battle and journey with that, ultimately it saved. It was learning an opera technique 
um, from a guy named Ron Anderson. So that's still part of my routine now. And I do warm ups for an hour before the show and uh, try to keep keep it in shape. Right. And yeah, I'm glad you overcame it because we wouldn't have these fantastic albums. Uh, thank, thank you so much, Tom, for your time today. Go check out Rise. It's fantastic. And hopefully we'll see you uh, in New York and the East Coast sometime soon. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'm sure we'll be back. Um, we're definitely planning more dates for next year to support the record. So we'll, we'll be out there rocking. And a special thanks to Tom for joining me today. Go check out Rise. It is available CD, vinyl, and all the streaming sites. His website's TomKiefer.com. If you want to follow him on Twitter, he's at TomKieferMusic. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the first in all 019. Be sure to like the page will be my youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Show's on SoundCloud. It's also on Podbean. Go to livingmyyouth.threadless.com for all your merchandise. Holidays right around the corner. They make great Secret Santa, Mystery Mensch, or whatever you celebrate gifts. A new episode comes out every Wednesday, and we'll see you next week.